episode three in our review of the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. And things are starting to get juicy. Let's get into it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. And today we are continuing our review of the podcast from Christianity Today, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. So before we dive in, honey, is there anything you would like to say? Yes, I just want to praise God. I was just looking through my phone for some other file, and I came across all like thousands of pictures and videos of our kids that we thought that we lost forever um, several months ago before we even moved here to Florida. It was closing my Facebook account. So I was trying to get everything off of there. And I did, I uploaded them. I guess I thought I uploaded them to my laptop. And then we couldn't find the files later on that laptop when he was getting ready to sell it. So we had to wipe everything and we were like, oh my gosh, we just lost all those pictures of our kids. And that was the only place we had anything saved was on Facebook. So yeah, I guess I had saved them all on my phone. <laughs> I never uploaded them <laughs> to that laptop. So we're really happy that we didn't lose all that after all and had them the whole time. Didn't even know it. Yeah, it's amazing when you like accidentally <laughs> do things right occasionally. <laughs> I'm always amazed with myself because we searched for a long time and just came to the conclusion we'll have to remember what our kids looked like when they were younger. <laughs> so. Praise God for that. We have them all, and that is good news. But in today's episode, yeah, oh, and of course, like, subscribe, follow, share, jump on our Discord. We want you guys there. Didn't mean to rhyme that, but <laughs> this is the way it worked out. So today's episode, episode three, we've been a little bit, I guess, waiting for this episode. You know, in the first two episodes, we kept going like, okay, so what's the deal with Mark Driscoll? Like, we've been waiting for stuff. In episode three, I feel like you kind of start getting a little bit of, not a lot, but a little bit of sort of a look as to what might have happened at Mars Hill. Yeah, some specific um, incidents, I guess you could say. Yeah, some actual specifics here. And like normal, we're going to try to not go into a whole lot of spoilers on this. Really, we're just going to give sort of an overview of what the episode was kind of talking about. And then we pulled out some of the more interesting elements that we thought occurred so we could kind of give you our own take because, you know, it's just like any documentary or anything that you hear, right? You're hearing it from one person's sort of perspective. So we want to just, you know, we know that going in. So kind of look mm -hmm. at it from both ways. Yeah, That's kind of what we're doing here. So, you know, this episode, again, it was kind of discussing sort of this initial rise of Mars Hill. It talks about the core team that goes along with him to help plant this church and how he's this young guy, but he's got this great vision. So people are just getting on board with him and just sort of what this early church life was like at Mars Hill is kind of what they're talking about. And then they kind of go into branch a little bit more into like Mark Driscoll personally and how his sort of theology kind of changed a little bit throughout his life. And then towards the end of the episode, they start dipping into more specific instances of maybe wrongdoing on mm -hmm. his part. So 
And I think a lot of pastors, I think everybody's theology changes a little bit. I mean, once you're a new, when you're a new believer, you're not really that knowledgeable about all the different, um, the different doctrines and I guess all the aspects of theology and everybody's changes. They learn as you grow and, um, in the word, you realize things that you have missed. And of course you're going to change. So I don't want to talk about that as a negative that you had theology. Definitely. That's, I don't know if it should be an improvement. Yeah. It may not change, but it should deepen and grow. Your understanding should develop. I think that's what happened. Yeah. I think that's a natural course of events. As we'll discuss Christianity today, doesn't necessarily paint it that way. So, right. We'll get into that though, but the first point in this that really jumped out to me is when they were talking about this early Mars Hill and this Mark Driscoll, and they bring in an interview from two people. The first one, his name was Joel Brown, and he talks about how he had been in church his whole life, but when he came to Mars Hill, he said that the gospel message that was preached at Mars Hill he kind of joked like it captivated him and he's like, eh, I don't know if I like that word, but he said it captivated him, this gospel message. And he said mm-hmm. that this was the first time and he'd been in church his whole life. This was the first time that the gospel had relevance to his life. Well, it was like a different, I guess, maybe I'm thinking of the other guy, but I know there's a couple of people on here who said similar things like yeah. the Jesus that's portrayed was different than what they were taught. Yeah. And I think we all have that. In our life, at some point, when you, if you become, uh, I guess I would say a more mature Christian, I like to think I'm a more mature Christian now, but we all have those times in our life where, you know, you hear a lot of messages and then there's the occasion or the church that you go to. And it's like he said, you hear it for the first time and you're like, mm-hmm. wow, that's not the Jesus that I've ever really heard about before. And it may just come through your own study, your own reading right. or something, but this is what this guy's portraying. And this is something we've been talking about in these review episodes a lot with Mark Driscoll that there, you know, it's easy for this podcast to point like, ah, this guy's a narcissist and he's an egomaniac, but he also appears in what we've talked about. The message that he's delivered, we think is so desperately needed today. Mm -hmm. I'm still a fan of the message he preached. And it sounds like this gospel message is right in line with a lot of other things that he preached that because when you hear the true gospel, it should be life-changing for you. Did it say what church this guy came from? I don't recall. It may have, he didn't really mention it, but I mean, man, if how many times did we hear the gospel message and you're just kind of like yawning, but we all should have that experience because that's, what's going to draw you to Christ. It's like that life-changing. If you've never really had that, I don't know that you've ever really heard the full gospel presented in the right light. And like she was talking about the next interview that they do is with a, it's not next in order, but later on at some point in the episode, they talk to a guy named James Harleman. And he talks kind of the same thing, this gospel message that gets presented at Mars Hill. And he said that this was the first time that he had heard somebody teach about a God that was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, he said everything up before that point, he would look at pastors as used car salesmen. You know, he would, he made the analogy that, Hey, Jesus is knocking. If you let him in, you get a good deal. (laughs) And then he said here at Mars Hill, when he came there, he heard for the first time about this Jesus where you're not making this decision to like follow Jesus for a good deal. 
you're meeting a creator and a savior that you'll buy, bow down to in submission. And he said he was just overwhelmed by like the immensity and the power of this God. Complete difference in the, those gospels is one is this Jesus, you bow down to him, you'll get everything the world offers, you know, the prosperity gospel. And the real gospel is um, the world's going to hate you. And yeah, it's not all for you to enjoy. And it's really dying to yourself. You're, you're losing the world to gain, you know, the kingdom of God. Yeah. You can't have both <laughs> i've always been struck by this too because you hear it so often mostly it's from atheists and stuff where they're like you know how could god you know give cancer to babies and all these like things that they make but if you're presented with this god who is an all-powerful creator if you accept that he exists right and you accept that there is a god it doesn't matter like if we're lucky that we have a god who is love and is justice but if he was the almighty creator and he was like, go kill babies, then that's the right thing to do. Like, this is God's existence. We're just a part of it. Like, I'm, I'm just always struck by that. But yeah, like, so these people, James, Joel, they hear this life-changing gospel. And what struck me about that is he kind of makes the, the mention of the used car salesman. And I think that's why so many Christians or supposed Christians in this country, I would say they're probably not Christians. They don't live an actual Christian life, you know, outside of like, Hey, they're nice, you know, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are nice, but like, that's not a gospel, this used car salesman gospel. That's not a gospel. That's going to lead you to a mission field to lay your life down. Like mm-hmm. that's not the gospel that Stephen heard in that, Paul preached Mm. like these were men that you know you read the epistles and acts and stuff and you might you should be struck by like why on earth would Paul get stoned to death come back from the dead and walk right back into a town and continue preaching because he was confronted with this overwhelming God who gave him a mission and he was like (laughs) as long as I got breath I got breath back I was dead and now here I am I might as well go and preach some more like (laughs) That's the gospel you should be hearing. So yeah, I yeah. think Mark, for all of his faults and flaws, I think there was a lot that he did and said right. And I think this gospel message he presented is one of those. Mm, I agree. So then you kind of go through the episode a little bit more. And the next big point that jumped out to us is this conference that they're discussing. It was right after 9-11, and they went to this conference, and the host... Mark Cosper, Mike Cosper, I can't remember what his name is. He says that he actually went there when he was a pastor himself. And he actually sat in one of Mark Driscoll's teachings. But the conference was called Solarize, and it was put on by this company called The Ooze, which is like the most early 2000s thing of all time. (laughs) But this conference turns out to be, because it's right after 9-11, it turns out to sort of be this like multi-religion, multi-ethnic sort of bring everybody together, let's understand each other sort of conference. So, you know, a lot of like kumbaya type moments. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of this, there's Mark Driscoll (laughs) giving his talk. And it's just, to me, when I listen to it, he's not presented in a good light. You know, the way Christianity today presents him is this hostile, aggressive, you know, kind of 
bucking the trend of what this conference is supposed to be about. But when I listen to it, I'm like, dude, he might've been the only guy talking truth there. Cause he noticed that there was this like strong lack of a conversation about God going on. Mm. And he's right there in the middle of it. Basically. Basically just unapologetically like giving these people the truth as far as it sounded to me. So, yeah, I don't know why they painted him in a bad light for that. It seems like that's what Christianity today is trying to convince us about him. That's what I think. Yeah, because they go into it and, you know, he makes a couple of points in there. One of the points he talks about, like, you know, this message that we're being preached today, kind of like there's this cosmic pinata in the sky that we all gather around and toss prayers to. And he says, hoping that we'll whack it and goodies will fall out. And then he talks a little bit later about how he's afraid of this neoliberalism that comes in and takes philosophical concepts and elevates them as a new gospel. And when he said that, I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, that sounds a whole lot like the LGBT gospel we got coming. Like, When whole... was this that he said that? It was in that conference. That was right after 9-11. Yeah, yeah I was that's like, more man, don't we hear that? Today. Like this gospel of God is love, you know, he just grace abounds and grace covers all your sins. There's no real requirement, right? Yeah. Just love God. And it's that hippie Jesus. Yeah, the hippie Jesus. And here comes Mark <laughs> and he's like, no. And he actually goes into it and he gets, he gets basically into a bunch of arguments and they record, they're playing some of them in the podcast. And one of them is this guy who's like, you know, Mark is telling them there is only like one way to salvation. You have to hear the gospel. And this guy's like arguing in the crowd, like, well, no, you can, you know, find God in anything. And Mark's like telling him, like, you're not going to go and find salvation looking at a tree. And the guy gets, and Mark's like, are you a universalist? And the guy's like, yes, I'm a universalist. (laughs) (laughs) And then through this whole thing, I feel like Christianity today is sort of part or painting Mark in this negative light. When I'm listening to it, I'm like, yeah, dude, thank God somebody's actually standing up and being like, no, man, faith comes through hearing, hearing by the word of God. Yes, it's cool. God is in all things. You know, all of creation speaks to a creator. But this goes to like the whole walk in love, sort of that preach the gospel everywhere. And if you have to use your words. I know. And then here comes Mark Driscoll going, no, fool, you have to use your words. That's what (laughs) preaching the gospel is. And I think that's so refreshing. And I feel like, Man, I wish Mark yeah. could have gotten his con- you know, temper and personality under control because everything I hear from him, I'm like, man, we well, need he that. He still today. has a church, a different church he started. Yeah, but you kind of, you know, you burn those bridges and it's hard to come I don't back know. from. It don't matter. I agree. I haven't listened to a Mark Driscoll I sermon want yet. To and hear I want to, but recent ones. Yeah, I think the conference was a really big thing. And we personally, we listened to it and we're like, Thank God there's actually somebody standing up there. And because the thing is, this is even happening today. So it's amazing it was going on back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. You know, we were not, you know, terribly old then as we are now, I suppose. But, you know, this is a gospel, or this is kind of a message that we get preached to a lot that Christianity is somehow supposed to be nice and accommodating and you don't want to rock the boat. But I don't know where that came from. I don't from. know where that came from. Like, really? if you literally have a gospel that there is one way to heaven, it is a narrow way, and it is a very specific path, you won't 
like I don't want to just sit down and have a nice conversation with Muslims how hey we're all sort of in this together when if you know that they're going to hell if they don't accept Jesus Christ you should not just be comfortable with being like oh what a great talk you know they we got a couple of things in common like you should be passionate like hey man wake up to you're going to be judged by God for being nice and i would expect the muslim to do the same nice. thing to me if he believes it, Allah is the one way, like he should be coming at me the same way passionately, not just, hey, you know, let's go to a nice lunch and talk about all the things we agree on. Let's not focus on the disagreements and we'll just both go back our separate ways. Like if that's something you're comfortable doing, then I don't, not to say that you should be confrontational in all these settings, but you should be passionate about the God that you're serving. The world will love you if you're that way, but we're told the world will hate us for preaching the truth. And you have to preach the truth like in the way that Mark did, I think. I think I'm a big fan of his preaching and a lot of the thoughts that he, I mean, maybe we all do need to be yelled at like that. Like, Hey, this is serious. You're not going to fall asleep in one of his sermons. You're going to be awake and you're going to hear the truth. I mean, we've talked about it. I'm a fan of Mark Driscoll's preaching. But as we get into and we start seeing a little bit of that darker side that mm-hmm. we don't want to ignore, not again, we mentioned that we are in agreement with him being sort of stepping away from the pulpit if a lot of these things turn out to be true, which it's right. looking like they are. But the just to kind of gloss over, we kind of touched on like Christianity today, and they do make note that Mark went on like a theological retreat where he went to go and like figure out what he believed in theologically. And they say he came back as a reformed um, Baptist, basically. I don't know what he actually called himself. And they make note that that was sort of some kind of switch there where he was in the emergent church maybe, but he came back as this reformed and somebody makes note in the episode that this is when the windows of his heart shut. And I felt like it was said in a way that sort of painted these like reformed Christians in a way of being more like hard heart, hard mm-hmm. hearted. Whereas this emergent movement, which is more into like the universalism, more, yeah. which I think Christianity today sort of falls more in line with the emergent church. We'll mm-hmm. have some links down in the show notes to what emergent church is. If you want to go read up for it or read up on it yourself. But I just felt like that was a weird thing to kind of throw in there. Yeah. With, you know, kind of painting the reformed, you know, Christians. It was in that like light. a type of like just slightly bashing. That's the, the way we took it when we yeah. read it. So just kind of in a, a little thing to note there when you hear it. But probably the biggest point that was made in this entire episode was made near the end. Mm-hmm. And this was kind of where that veil was starting to get pulled back on Mark Driscoll a little bit. And it goes to an interview with a lady named Karen Schaefer who goes to Mars Hill. She's one of like the church plant, like core members, I think is what they call them. And Mark notices her and decides, you know, she, her talents would work well at the church. So he asks her to come on and he hires her as a secretary, right? Executive assistant. So, okay. A super secretary. Oh, okay. Um, and she tells this story in there of how she went to a dinner with some of the church members and she's at a table with some of the elders' wives and they're talking about, like, hey, what's it like to work with Mark and all this? And, you know, she's telling them all these nice things. 
And she says, you know, I do wish that Mark had more men around that weren't just yes men, you know, people that would challenge him. Mm. And she says after that dinner, a few days later, she gets a phone call from the church, and it's Jamie Munson, who was the executive pastor, I suppose, what they say at Mars Hill, asks her to come in. And she goes into this meeting. It's held in, like, this small office where they're all really cramped in. She says Mark is just fuming mad. Like, you can see it all over him. And he accuses her of heresy. And that's the big point that they make is Mark is mad, and he accuses her of heresy. So this is kind of like that first look that you get at Mark Driscoll in this like rage that's sort of inside. Yeah, this is one of those things where it just sounds so extreme. You're just like, oh, really? He acted that way? And, and I mean, you don't want it to be true. and We hope it isn't true, but you would want to hear his side of the story because, I don't know, you can see something as worse than it actually is. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and that's the first point that we kind of noted down about this. We don't know that it's true necessarily. We only have the information that's presented by Christianity Today, and that's this lady's point of view. So we don't hear from Jamie Munson, who was apparently in that meeting, and we haven't obviously listened or found out if Mark Driscoll denies any of this. So you just take their word at it, but just be aware you're hearing one side of the story You're hearing one side, and it's always like, you're the complete victim. You're like, you don't know if that person may have said things at that table a little worse than what they said they, they did. And so, yeah, those are things we're thinking of. You don't want to believe 100% one side of the story. Yeah, I felt like in the, you know, they, in the interview she's saying, she says like um, that she was really intimidated by how mad Mark was. And then she talks about how she just broke down and cried. And I was like, Man, in today's world, like, that's all you have to say. But you know that's you the kind the of guy he is already. He's already intimidating. So she could be right. Like, she could be, you know, I just feel like, you know, you kind of toss in like. I feel like if she worked close with him, she probably had already seen him oh, angry sure. at other people. Like, she wasn't the first one that he was angry with. If If it. he has this kind of character that they're telling us he has. Yeah, so that's kind of the first point. The second point that we wanted to make is that if this is true, if Mark actually called her in and told her she was a heretic, that's a huge problem. You mm-hmm. know, as a pastor, like you can't accuse people of, of heresy without good reason, because heresy is it's not speaking out against a pastor. Heresy is like speaking contrary to Christian doctrine. To doctrine. You know, it's not saying, hey, this guy needs more help. You may disagree with the opinion, and Mark Driscoll could have disagreed with it. Obviously, he he did. It's what it sounds like. But saying someone's accusing heresy is, you know, you're basically like placing yourself in God's shoes almost. So shame on him if that's something he actually said. Well, there should be a lot of um, people in the church who can say if it's true or not that one of the next service or whatever— he kind of, he didn't say her name, but he mentioned the situation that he had to let uh, someone go for heresy. And she, he knew she was in, in that service. And she said she got up and left and just was crying and like felt embarrassed and like, okay, that's that's even worse if he did that. But there should be witnesses to say, yeah, he did do that. But I don't know why she would lie about something like that, knowing there were 
there are people who are going to say, yeah, he did that or no, he didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, so that definitely speaks pretty ill of Mark Driscoll, if that's something he did and then said it on a bigger stage. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty lame. Yeah. You know, but the last point that I wanted to make, and this is a point I think that gets glossed over in every episode by Christianity Today, and I don't know why it gets glossed over, and that's the point of the elders. So this whole story with Karen Schaefer is she goes to church, or she goes to this church dinner, she tells the wives of elders is what she says, and then basically what happens is she tells the wives speaks openly with them. And apparently the wives immediately go home and tell their husbands, Hey, you know what Karen said about Mark. And then these men who should know Mark very well and what his personality, they run and tell Mark. Maybe they were offended because they're like, well, Karen said, we're just yes men. They probably were mad at Karen. Know that this guy has a personality trait like this, but not only do they tell him and he gets upset, Jamie Munson, the executive pastor, is the one who calls Karen in and sits in the meeting when she's called a heretic and he says nothing, does nothing. So like when I hear this, I'm like, and we've talked about the elders of this church and what they sound like, just weak, toxic, yes men, like the worst kind of leadership. And I thought about this because they say in the earlier episodes, there were 67 different elders at Mars Hill. And I was like, man, if by some chance you're listening to our review and one of these former elders is in your church, potentially a leadership position in your church, I would have a serious talk with your pastor about what kind of weak, toxic leader they've allowed in their church. Because like you can't just feed into a guy's worst personality traits. Mm-hmm. You've got to shield people from that, help them through it. Like these men should have known what Mark Driscoll would have done or, or if he did get mad, talk him off a ledge, you mm-hmm. know, whatever it happens to be. Instead, you're just like, Ooh, I heard some bad news about you, Mark. Let me tell you. Right. And then like, Oh, you want me to call her in? Okay, cool. Let's go in my office where it's smaller and should be more in. like these right. people are equally at fault is Mark Driscoll, in my opinion. They are, they are in, they don't get painted this way by Christianity today, but every time I hear an episode, I'm like, these guys are terrible um, to be considered elders of a church, pastors. Like, but if he is, a, if he is a true narcissist, as they're implying, that's what narcissists do. They put people around them who pretty much are yes men who will just jump at every request and not disagree because if they disagree they're out well and true but then they they're still no serving their own personal interest and i don't know it just sounds like a pretty toxic environment all around from the top down but i just feel like they get brushed by right far right. too often and the finger gets pointed at mark driscoll way more than it should where i think these men are equally at fault so i wonder if they'll have the they didn't I haven't had any elders on like previous had elders. pastors, you know, Tim Smith's come on youth pastors and stuff like that. And they always give an account of what oh, Driscoll right. did wrong. And then I'm always like, how come no one goes, Hey man, you were right there for like 15 years. You didn't do or say anything. Yeah, that you whole had time? 15 years to you say waited until this uh, podcast were to you speak too out. Scared? So yeah, go listen to these shows. There is so much information. We can't barely scratch the surface of all the stuff that they get into. Wonderfully produced podcasts. We just tend to not always agree with the point of view they're presenting. So Mm -hmm. 
we would love to hear from you guys. Let us know if we're off base or we're missing something. We would love to hear from you guys. We'd love to talk with you about this show because mm-hmm. it's very interesting. So yeah, it is. Is there anything you would like to say as we get ready to end this? Um, nope. I don't have anything else to add right now. All right, guys, stick around. We're probably gonna have a Saturday episode coming out just to get episode four done. Five and six has just come out as well, so we gotta get <laughs> we gotta get these things caught up <laughs> so we can you know start moving forward. So that's all we got for you guys today. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Thank you.